Welcome to the Village Church Podcast. Thanks for stopping by and taking the time to listen. We've prayed that this podcast channel blesses and encourages the Village family. So lean in with an open heart, eager to grow, and enjoy the episode. Morning, church. Good to be here with you this morning. If you've got your Bibles with you, could I ask that you turn to Psalm chapter 95 with me, please? Psalm chapter 95, we'll read the first six verses this morning. Just while you find Psalm 95, um, just an extra warm welcome to all those who are visiting with us or checking us out, looking in. It's great to have you with us and we hope you feel part of us. Last week I had the privilege of continuing our series with part two of the worshipping body in Narawahia and um, this morning again equally privileged to preach God's word here. Um, a similar message, would have liked to say it was the, it's the same message, would have been less prep this week but unfortunately or fortunately for you maybe, I'm not sure, uh, it has adjusted slightly and hopefully there's life in it for us as a church here in Horsham Downs. So Psalm chapter 95. The psalmist says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. The title for this morning's message is The Reason for Gathered Worship. The Reason for Gathered Worship. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the privilege it is, Lord, that we have access to it. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you inspired it. And Lord, as we are here together as a church family, I ask that you would speak to us. I ask that you would confront us. I ask that you would strengthen us in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen, amen. So just before I get into this morning's message, just a a brief recap of last week. Uh, My dad, Mark, kicked off our series. We're calling it The Worshipping Body, and there's obviously a play on words there. We understand that worship is all of life. We understand that Romans 12 calls us that that we're to offer ourselves as living sacrifices. This body is a worshipping body. But the emphasis and the focus, not just this morning, but for this four-part series, is on the worshipping body. We understand worship is all of life. I understand that worship is all-encompassing. It's a lifestyle that everything, all of life is worship. We're always worshipping. Hopefully, we're worshipping Him, but I could suggest that... It's not just an unbeliever thing, it's a church thing where there's temptations and, and hazards where sometimes we're not worshipping Him, but we're always worshipping. But the emphasis and the focus this morning is on our corporate, our gathered, our, our, our public worship as the body of Christ together. That's what our focus is, not just this morning, but for the whole series. So if you hear the word worship, could I please ask that your mind go to the worshiping body? 
what we do as God's people together on Sunday mornings here in the hall. So my dad's three points very simply were God is worthy of our worship. Worship is about us doing the will of God and God seeks worship as much as he seeks worshipers. And I do encourage, if you missed it last week, jump onto our podcast and um, give that a listen. Prioritize that because it will set us up for not just this morning, but for the next two weeks. We've got Dave joining us next Sunday here at Horsham Downs, which is good. So let's get straight into it. The reason for gathered worship. What is the purpose? What is the why behind our worship as God's people together? Let me start with a question. What are your reasons for gathered worship? What are your reasons for gathered worship? No doubt a few things might come to your mind right now, and I want to encourage you to reflect on that, and uh, we'll approach that again as we come to a close this morning. So Psalm 95. Psalm 95 most believe written by David, was written to enable God's people to worship him. Psalm 95 is is corporate, it's communal in nature, and it actually addresses the people of God, it addresses Israel, and calls them to worship God as a congregation. It urges the Israelites to recognize God's greatness, his faithfulness, his mercy, and to respond in unity as a nation and worship God. That's Psalm 95. Now, this call extends to God's people, the church. And Psalm 95 is a call for us as God's people, for this worshiping body, to respond in gathered worship. So, I want to encourage you, please have Psalm 95 open with you throughout this message. We're going to keep referencing it again. And uh, just briefly, and maybe in a way that I'd summarize it, Psalm 95, we see verse 1. We're called to sing and make a joyful noise to God. We're to give thanks to God and offer songs of praise. We're to declare God's greatness and that there is none like Him. None like God whatsoever. We're to profess God as creator and possessor of all things. He's created all things. He's the possessor, the owner of all things. Everything is His. We see in that verse 6 that we're to bow down and kneel before God because He is our maker and we are His. Point number one this morning, the first reason for gathered worship is to glorify God. It's the first reason, to glorify God. Now to glorify God, let's get on the same page with what it means to glorify God. From my perspective and opinion, to glorify God is to honor and regard Him with great respect and reverence. It's to magnify Him where He increases and we decrease. It's to enthusiastically praise God with a deep love and gratitude. And it's to exalt and highly value God where we recognize His greatness and His worthiness. To glorify God. My dad might have mentioned it last week. We see Isaiah 43, 7, that that God has created His people for His glory. We've been made to glorify God. That's just facts. 
We are called to ascribe and give God all the glory that's due His name. We see that throughout the Psalms. We see that in 1 Chronicles 16. We have been made and called to ascribe all the glory that's due His name. And just so we know, that's all the glory. He is due every ounce of glory. We're called to gratefully and wholeheartedly glorify His name from now and to forever. And I love this picture in that, this picture we get a glimpse of in Revelation chapter 4. The Apostle John, he has this vision of heaven and it reveals the majesty, the holiness, the worthiness, the honor that God is due. Revelation 4 from 8 onwards, this vision goes like this. And the four living creatures... Each of them with six wings are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and praise. Glory and honor and power, sorry, for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. We don't see the 24 elders fall down and receive blessings. We don't see the 24 elders fall down and, 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 and fellowship with one another. We don't see the 24 elders fall down and be edified. We see the 24 elders cast their crowns and give honor and glory and praise to God. Number one, we glorify God. Jump back to Psalm 95 and I just want to highlight verse 1, 2 and 6. Oh, come, let us sing. Let us make a joyful noise. Let us come with thanksgiving. Let us offer songs of praise. Verse 6, oh, come, let us worship. Let us bow down. Let us kneel before God. The second reason for gathered worship is to obey God. One is to glorify, two is to obey. Now, the way I'll define to obey God is <coughs> to obey God is to submit to God's authority. It's to follow His instruction and it's to live according to His will. There's submission to His authority, there's living according to His instruction and and. Submitting to his, his will. Living your life according to the will of God. That's what it means to obey God. And again, Psalm 95, an incredible psalm, provides God's people with this invitational instruction. There's this invitational instruction that you could say is a bit of a paradox or a... Is it a what's the other word? Not paradox. It's a bit of a contradiction. There's an oxymoron. Thanks, Pete. An invitational instruction where the psalmist says, Oh, come, let us. Let us sing. Let us worship. Let us give thanks. There's this invitation and call for gathered worship to come and sing to God. 
to come and worship and bow down. And in other words, it's to say, go, gather, gather with the assembly of God's people and do this. Our gathered worship is obedience. And I love how James, the brother of Jesus, he urges the believers in the book of James and he urges them to obedience. James chapter 1 verse 22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Do not be hearers of the word only, be doers. That word word, it's referring to the Logos word, the written word of God, the scriptures. And, and, and James is urging the believers to not just hear, but to obey. Not just hear, but to do. What we see, what we hear from the scriptures, let us not just be hearers, but doers of the written word of God. And throughout God's word, we are called not just to glorify, we're called to obey it. We're called to glorify God, we're called to obey Him. That may be my child. Had to put it out because I was way distracted. <laughs> Gathered worship is obedience. God calls, we come. The second reason is to obey God. And the third reason that I want to present this morning is to draw near. Number one, to glorify. Number two, to obey. And number three, to draw near. We see in verse two, let us come into his presence. Verse six, let us kneel. Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before God. To draw near to God is to come into his presence and meet him. It's to approach Him. It's to seek intimacy and personal relationship with Him. To draw near is to enter into His presence and come before Him. And God calls us. He delights when we draw near to Him. It's, it's to deliberately focus our attention on Him. And my dad mentioned the passage of Psalm, Psalm, 100, chapter, Psalm chapter 100, verse 2, that we're to come into his presence with singing. We're to enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. There's this beautiful thing that when we as God's people come to him, God doesn't come to us in here, we come to him. And when we draw near to him, he draws near to us. Gathered worship is about drawing near to God. You may or may not feel that. You may or may not think that or believe that. But the reality is when you walk through those doors and when we collectively worship God, we are drawing near. We are approaching. We are coming into his presence. We're experiencing God. And he comes. We get to meet with him. We see in 1 Chronicles 16 that God desires us to bring him an offering and come before him. The creator of the heavens and the earth desires that his creation would gather together and draw near to him. What a privilege we have, church. What a delight these services are. 
that we get to gather together, worship and draw near to create a God. Love the passage in Hebrews chapter 4, probably well known to many of us. The writer of Hebrews gives us this great insight into our great high priest. And this is what he says, chapter 4 from verse 14. Our great high priest enables us to draw near and come into the presence of God. The writer says this, Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That Greek word for draw near is Prosokamai, if I'm pronouncing it okay. Prosokamai, it's to approach God, it's to come to God. That word appears 86 times in the New Testament. And I was, as I was just looking into it and looking into some of the, the, the passages of Scripture where that word is present, it opened my eyes to this greater understanding of what it actually means and what it looks like to draw near to God. Yeah. Who remembers in Matthew 8, I think, or Mark 1, where the leper comes to Jesus? That word come is to prosokomai. It's to draw near. It's to approach Jesus. That leper approaches Jesus. He draws near to Jesus and he says, if you're willing, you'll make, my, you'll make me clean. Jesus responds. He stretches out his hand. He touches him. He says, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. You might remember another story. The disciples and Jesus on the boat. Jesus is asleep on the boat. The disciples are frantically trying to survive this huge storm. They eventually run to Jesus, wake him up. That word went, when the disciples went to Jesus, is prosokamai. It's to approach. It's to draw near. What's your point, Liam? Just like the leper and just like the disciples were drawing near to Jesus, you and I do the exact same thing when we gather and worship here on a Sunday. Now we may not see Jesus like the leper did. We may not see Jesus like his disciples on that boat did. But literally and genuinely, we draw near in the exact same way. By faith. Because of our great high priest. From my perspective, that's incredible. We, because of Him, get to draw near to our Father. We get to approach Him. We get to come into His presence. We may not see Him, but it's just as real. It's just as genuine. It's just as legitimate. What a privileged church that we have to week in and week out, gather together and worship God. The third reason is to draw near to God. So the scriptures clearly direct us to glorify, to obey, and to draw near to God. But these things all have one thing in common. God. Very good. God is the primary reason for our gathered worship. 
He is the be all and end all. He is the center of it all. Our gathered worship is to God. Our gathered worship is with God. Our gathered worship is about God. Our gathered worship is because of God. God is the primary single single central reason for our gathered worship. Let us not get the order mixed up. We don't come for the singing. We don't come for the preaching. We don't come for the fellowship. We don't come to be edified. We don't come for any other reason but God. Now, I'm not wanting to create a false dichotomy. I'm not wanting to divorce or separate these things. But I do want us to see that there is a correct order of priority. God is the prime product and all these other things are byproducts. They flow from God. We don't come for them, we come for Him. God is the reason for our gathered worship. Charles Spurgeon said, Some go to church to take a walk. Some go there to laugh and talk. Some go there to meet a friend. Some go there, their time to spend. Some go there to meet a lover. Some go there to a fault to cover. Some go there for speculation. Some go there for observation. Some go there to doze and nod. The wise go there to worship God. That might have been modernized in, into our English. God is the prime product and everything else are byproducts. God is the central reason and everything else flows from Him. After our service, what do you normally ask on your way home? After our service, normally on a Sunday, think back to last Sunday on the drive home. What do we normally ask on our way home? Okay, good question. Some practical people in the room, what do you want for lunch? Is it Chartwell or the base? With regard to the service, what do you ask? What do you ask on your way home? What was your takeaway? I would suggest something to the degree of, was that any good? You might have different words for it. You, maybe it's just me, but I've been guilty of that on different occasions. Was that any good? Think it to myself. Was that any good? Was the singing good? Were the songs, were they the songs I like? Was the preacher okay? Did he have enough scripture? Did he expound it correctly? Were there anything inaccurate or out of context? And those are important questions. But instead of asking something along the lines of, was that any good? I believe the people of God need to ask the question, was God pleased? Was God pleased with our worship this morning? So on the, home, on the way home this Sunday or next, was God pleased with our worship? Our worship. Did we glorify God? Did we obey God? Did we draw near to God? Paul David Tripp said, corporate worship is a regular gracious reminder that it's not about you. You've been born into a life that is a celebration of another. 
So in the, in the remaining time we have together, I want to present three cultural hazards that I see around us, I see in us, and in me, that will hinder our gathered worship. Number one, individualism. There may be some of us in this room, there may be some listening to the podcast later in the week, and your response to this sermon might be, but Liam, all of life is worship. Liam, I can worship, I can glorify God, I can obey Him, I can draw near to Him when I'm climbing up the hucks or walking on the beach. Why are you limiting my worship to a Sunday, Liam? And that's a good question, but I would respectfully ask, has the culture of individualism crept into your heart and mind? Personal worship and private devotion is good and necessary. Personal worship, private devotion is good and it's necessary. But my personal conviction is that it should always flow from our gathered worship. I'm not trying to divorce the two, but I am trying to get the order of priorities straight. God's word throughout scripture clearly calls his people for gathered worship. God never intended our worship to be me and Jesus. And if you're trying to walk out your Christian faith or work out your salvation apart from a local church and apart from gathered worship, then I would humbly and gently suggest that you're going away, you're going against the way God initially and originally intended it to be. There may be others here or listening and you are completely committed to gathered worship. But maybe during the service, during our worship together, your eyes are so fixed on yourself. And I'm guilty of this at times, where our focus is on me, myself, and I. How am I connecting with this song? Or, you know, communion, when communion comes, and again, I'm, there's, tru- there's, there's aspects of truth to what I'm saying, but communion is me and Jesus. If that's your primary thought about it, then has the culture of individualism crept into your heart and mind? We will need to fight against individualism if we are to glorify, to obey, and draw near to God in gathered worship that pleases Him. We have to fight against this cultural phenomena that we, that we have all around us. We're swimming in this stuff. We've got to swim upstream. Number two, consumerism. What do I mean by that? Consumerism, it's all about personal use or personal gain. And I'd say this is a biggie and it probably flows from individualism. But let me, let, me, let me draw your attention back to the question I asked at the start. What were your reasons for gathered worship? And again, I, I'm not having a go. I'm just, I want to preach like it's my last. If your answers to that question of what are your reasons for gathered worship, if your answers are based on more about you than about God, what you can get rather than what God gets, then again, respectfully, the culture of consumerism has infiltrated us. Is gathered worship more about what God does for you or what you do for God? Gathered worship is about bringing an offering to God 
not about receiving what God can offer. It's about blessing God, not looking for what God can bless us with. It's about our focus being on ministering to God rather than our focus being on God ministering to us. And please, you might be hearing what I'm not trying to say. God does bless. God does provide. God does meet with us in a way where we leave completely different. And we do, we receive so much benefit from fellowship and the support that a church community provides. And God does all those things. But if that is the primary focus, if that is the reason for our gathering, then I would suggest we've missed it, church. I'd also suggest that if your focus is on all these byproducts of our gathering, then chances are you're probably going to leave disappointed. But if we arrive with our focus and our intention and our goal being to worship God, to glorify and obey and draw near to God, then the chances are we're going to leave not disappointed and we're probably going to leave receiving some of the byproducts as well. It's not about us being spiritually fed or singing the songs we like or enjoying fellowship. These are good things. But our focus needs to be on worshiping God. And number three, I'll just mention it, flippancy. Now flippancy is a lack of respect or a lack of seriousness. It's, it's treating someone or looking at something with frivolously, kind of a lack of seriousness. And I think the culture we live in, and I think there's benefits to this culture. We relax, we're, we're casual, we don't get too stressed about stuff. And those, those can be helpful things in a cultural context. But when it comes to the gathered worship of God's people, flippancy isn't something that we want to strive for. We need to offer acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For God is a consuming fire. So those are three of possibly many hindrances that we as God's people in 2023 and in this culture can face. And my heart this morning is that this word would, it would challenge us like it's challenged me. That it would confront us where we need to be confronted. That it would encourage us. That it would strengthen us. That's my heart. That the village church would be strengthened. And that our gathered worship would go far deeper, be far more meaningful. So could I invite you to stand as I close in prayer? Father, I thank you for every individual member of this body. I thank you, Lord, for the life that is in our church. I thank you, Father, that, Lord, we have the privilege of gathering and worshiping you. I thank you, Father, for sending your son, Jesus, that he is our great high priest. And that is once and for all sacrifice enables us to draw near to you. I thank you, Father, that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. But Lord, I ask that you would grace us and enable us, Lord, to offer worship that is pleasing and acceptable to you. I ask, Lord, that you would confront us, Lord, where the culture around us has crept in, that it, where it's hindered our worship of you. Reveal it to us, Lord, and enable us to put things in place and make decisions and respond to you, Lord, that we would walk in freedom. Lord, we want to honor you. We want to lift up your name. Lord, we understand that what happens here is significant. 
grow that revelation and understanding in our hearts and minds, Lord, of what happens here is so deeply formational. Lord, I ask that from here, from this place, from our gathered worship, week in and week out, Lord, that our hearts would be so reoriented to you that we would go out and be the witnesses, accurate representations of you, God. We honor you. We glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen.